Welcome to the Kickstart Your Book Sales Podcast with USA Today bestselling authors Russell Nolte and Monica Lionel, where you'll learn how to supercharge your book sales, go aggressively wide, and take your author career to the next level. Are you ready to bring yeah, Tom Carpenter on? Yes, let's bring on Tom Carpenter. All right. Hello, Tom Carpenter. Hey. How are you doing? Sorry that we're running a couple minutes late. Um, no, no problem. How are you both? Good. So I'm, I'm, ex- I'm excited to chat with you because I know um, your first campaign was, I think it was over, um, it hit over 12K. Yeah. And then I know you're in the middle of, a, of your current campaign or did it just end? Uh, it's got another week. So got, got another week. Yeah. Got another yeah. week. Cool. And so um, I know you weren't you weren't really in our program, but you're you kind of after the 12K campaign joined as um, kind of like an expert. I mean, it wasn't official, but, you know, just as somebody who like knows how to do good campaigns and um, is an, you know, is like a successful author. So, um, yeah, so. I wanted I, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about your campaign. So the one is the Order of Merlin. Um, that oh, it looks like it hit over thirteen thousand. Yeah, yeah. And, and short changing them. Yeah. yeah, I know. I, I, I don't know where my twelve K number came from. Um, but I know for this one, I think these were like an original. It was like. A, a trilogy that had not been published before. Is that right? Or Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I have this big universe, the hundred halls universe, and that has 20 books for five different series of five books. And this was the kind of come together Avengers style. All the characters from those books come together for this kind of final thing. Um, and that's what the, the, uh, the Kickstarter was about was launching, launching that final trilogy, uh, which, you know, part of the, you know, uh, uh, ability to get that higher amount was having all that backlist available for, you know, to have for sale. Sure, for sure. Um, but also, like, you had been building up to this series for a long time, it sounds like. Oh, well. yeah, so, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really cool. Well, um, this I, I know this that series was really successful, and now your current one is um, The Hundred Halls. And so this is a series that you have been writing for a while, as I understand it, right? Yeah, since two, 2016, like I said, this... Uh, the the Order of Merlin will be books 26, 27, 28, and the Hundred Halls was the first series, and so it was really exciting to be able to do the hardbacks and kind of relaunch it on Kickstarter. Um, you know, kind of reintroduce it. I mean, granted, we had you know had the one in in June for the the Order of Merlin, but uh, um, you know it it was nice to bring this one about. Yeah, also the the audiobooks as well. So. Oh, that's awesome. So you had hardcovers and audiobooks, but this was essentially like, it's a backlist campaign at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is is a cool way. Like, I think it's cool that you've done these two different campaigns, one of which was um, really a front, I mean, it was front list. Um, You basically launched the the series on Kickstarter before launching it on retailers. And then this one is you're just taking stuff that you've already done in some ways and launching it um, on Kickstarter. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the the beauty of, of Kickstarter is that ability to take different types of projects. You know, I've got a big backlist, so it's it's nice to be able to kind of re-energize uh, some of those things where I'm already starting work on a, 
um, a 10th year anniversary uh, hardcover la- uh, relaunch of my Alexandrian saga sometime early next year. So kind of the same idea. That's awesome. Um, so what are some of the lessons that you learned? Because th- these you've done two campaigns. Yeah, right? yeah. These are the two campaigns. So what are some of the lessons that you learned? Maybe some of the differences between the two campaigns aside from we already talked about one was backlist, one is frontlist. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, uh, a year ago, it really kind of put 2022 as the year I wanted to start uh, doing uh, Kickstarter. Um, So, you know, definitely going into it, spent a lot of time studying um, other Kickstarters out there. I mean, I think you guys have suggested the same thing. It's very right, you know, learn what the language is of the platform, learn what works. Um, and, you know, there are a lot of great campaigns that have done well in the past, like yours, Russell, or Michael Sullivan, a, a lot of other people have done very well. Um, so, you know, I thought, you know, the biggest thing was obviously making it a very professional looking campaign. Um, you know, the, the, unfortunately, there's always those, those ones that are at the, you know, they have the $10 or $15, but you can, you can see why they're, they're, you know, they're not showing the potential fans that they're not putting their, you know, their best foot forward, you know. So I think, you know, making sure that it's very uh, professional upfront, um, you know, it's a Kickstarter is a very visual medium, not necessarily that the products are, vi- are visual, but, you know, people are looking at that and it's a visual sales page. So it's got to speak to them. Um, and that's even, you know, something noticed throughout the course of this year, obviously, you know, you guys have uh, put together some great accelerator classes and really teaching. You have the the Sanderson effect, a lot of people coming in for that. And, and I can see such a big difference, even from the spring campaigns to the fall campaigns, that it kind of reminds me of the early days of, of IndiePub to the, you know, the middle of the last decade when everybody started leveling up, like professional looking covers, blurbs, marketing, all that. And, you know, you definitely see a lot of that. Everybody is really bringing up their game, which is also, I think, bringing up the overall uh, visibility of the site. You know, the it's it's good for all of us to be bringing in our, our various uh, fan groups. Um, you know, I think, you know, definitely professional uh, uh, looking um, uh, 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 campaign. And, you know, I think you guys did give me some feedback before we launched. I really appreciate it. And I think that's important is having other people look at it. You know, there's always those little things you miss. Um, you know, I think I redid my video based on some, uh, some advice. Um, and, but then, you know, the, I think the, the part that everybody's nervous about is during the campaign, you know, what happens then? Um, you know, you, you, everybody has that first initial launch, but it's the dead zone that I think is very difficult. I was very lucky for that first campaign because it was front list. It was new, um, you know, had a big backlist. It really caught the Kickstarter algorithm and that was very helpful. 75% of my backers came from Kickstarter. So really I didn't get as much from my own fan base, which because a lot of them have already, you know, read it. So they might've, you know, maybe just bought the, the eBooks on there, but we brought in a whole new group that were interested in the hardbacks, the paperbacks, buying all the backlists. So that really helped get it up on, uh, uh, the algorithm. Um, so on that one, I didn't have to do a, I, you know, I kept working every, uh, making sure I was publicizing it, do, you know, doing flash campaigns, stuff like that. 
Uh, but this last one's been more interesting, and it's kind of been about what we expected. We didn't expect to get the rocket rise throughout the whole thing. We had no dead zone for that one. It mm-hmm. was pretty much beginning to end on a trajectory. This one, it hit the dead zone, and we had three or four days of, of no pledges. Like, okay, now we've got to do some work. And, you know, what I, what I thought was really interesting is we did a flash campaign. You know, if we get 10 more backers in three days, we're going to do a audio book of, uh, you know, free audio book of, of something. And, you know, I publicized it to the old campaign, to the Order of Merlin and to the, obviously the backers of the new one. And within an hour of doing that, started seeing momentum again. Um, you know, got, we ended up only getting nine of the 10 pledges. I actually would have liked to have seen another 10th one just so that way they would have, you know, got that for helping uh, uh, push it. But those little things help. Um, definitely, we've been doing a lot of swaps that, you know, keeps a little bit of momentum here and there. And I think that's also just good for the Kickstarter marketplace. It's it's uh, good for everybody uh, that we're engaging our fans, getting more people in, uh, letting readers know that Kickstarter is a great platform to find and support authors. Yeah. Yeah, I think that um, that's something that we have seen with um, first campaign versus second campaign. I think sometimes people think, and they think of this about like retailer launches too, or on Amazon, they think like, hey, I got like $5,000 on this first launch, so I'm going for like $10,000 on yeah. the second launch. But it's like every project has a floor, every project has a ceiling, um, which Russell just said to me earlier today. <laughs> So I kind of just stole it from him. But um, so those are Russell's words. But, you know, I think it's really important to understand the ceiling of your project or understand, like, the type of project that you're putting forth because every Kickstarter campaign is different. Um, And, you know, like you said, like, one is a backlist campaign where your goal is really to focus on finding those new readers who are interested in hardcovers, who are interested in audiobooks, maybe getting some of the current fans to, like, you know, upgrade essentially. Um, but then it's like, you know, and then the, the first campaign, you had something new. So of course yeah. that's going to attract more of your current audience too. And like maybe more, you know, and also, I mean, or I think Merlin, like anytime you can tie something to something that people already know and love, yeah, um, yeah. of course it's always going to do better. Um, yeah. I'm seeing that with, um, I had, I had a campaign earlier this year for fiction that, you know, it hit like 4K. Um, and, but this, this current campaign that, um, I haven't, it hasn't launched yet, but it's got like a Jane Austen tie in. And so like people who like Jane Austen are interested, you know, like kind of obvious where there's already like this built in fan base. So I think there's, um, the, you know, there was potentially some of that for your other campaign too, where it's like people saw Merlin and they're like, oh, okay, like I like Merlin, <laughs> you know, I don't know if it was a retelling, but, um, that could have also helped, but um, yeah. So, uh, Russell, did you want to? I want to talk to you about the. I assume did when you say digitally narrated audiobooks, you mean AI? Narrated? Yeah, yeah. The the Google Play uh, AI narrated. Yeah. yeah. Can you talk a little bit about like how people have reacted to that? Because I have one of these launching next year, and I'd love to hear about like your experience with this specific aspect. Yeah. So I, I mean, I have like, we haven't put them up yet. You know, I've, I finished recording them kind of, I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to hit live on Google play yet until we were done with the Kickstarter to give the Kickstarter people kind of a first shot at it. 
Um, and but I, I I have really been kind of astounded at how good it is. Um, the and and I noticed even from when I started doing, I did a couple of test ones uh, in the summer. And, and the difference even from then till now, I can tell that it's been getting feedback and learning because there are certain things where I'm like, oh, I would have expected it didn't get the right inflection, but it's like, oh, that was actually very natural. And I've played it for a few people, not telling them what it was, and they weren't able to tell. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, it does require you do have to listen to everything, uh, the, you know, either a the unique pronunciations of your own, you know, especially being fantasy authors, we, we like making up words uh, <laughs> that I have to decide, well, how does that actually <laughs> sound? Uh, but the other one is, you know, all the homonyms or the weird little things like uh, if I have ellipsis in the middle of a sentence, it wants to say dot sometimes, not always, but sometimes, and I have to fix those things. But uh, uh, but otherwise, it, it's really, I'm really impressed with the quality of it. And, and how are and people responding to, to huh? your, how are people responding to it on the Kickstarter? Um, I, I, we do have uh, some pledges. I can't remember how many. I thought it was maybe five or six uh, for that, um, if, if memory serves me correctly. Um, so, and I, you know, I think that'll be something we'll see more of in the future as, uh, as easy as it is to have them created. And, and, uh, I, you know, I did, did, pr- I do have some human narrated audiobooks, and I definitely made sure to price these lower because I think there is a difference in, in a little bit of it, but, um, you know, and I wanted to give that difference back in, in a lower price. Absolutely. That makes sense. Um, okay. So we have a question from the audience and I'm just going to bring it on because, uh, I can do that. Oh, is this it? Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's come it. on show. There you go. All right. Okay. So do you have any <laughs> tips for smaller campaigns on fulfillment, not use that aren't going to use backer kit or pledge box. So backer kit and pledge box are digital fulfillment. Like I use them all of the time. Monica uses them all of the time. Don't know if Tom uses them or not, but uh, yeah. Do you have any sort of fulfillment tips for a smaller campaign? So um, I do not use either of those. And the reason we chose not to was because we have a direct store. And so we were able to basically configure our store and, and kind of treat it in the same way um, with a, you know, add-ons, upsell, things like that. So that wasn't so important. I could see, you know, a, a lot of, you know, other people not having that uh, ability to do that might use those or just their, their newsletter. Um, I'm actually like, so November is when we're doing the fulfillment for both campaigns. Actually, before I came on, I was uh, doing some last second formatting and uploading uh, to start to start doing all that ordering. So, um, you know, and as far as the maybe the organizational side of it, I haven't seen Backerkit or Pledgebox, but I come from an engineering background. So I, I love Excel. So I love making Excel <laughs> charts and, and uh, pivot tables and stuff like that. So that kind of thing is pretty easy for me. I think if somebody else has some experience with Excel or other things, they can organize their things well because the, the data download you get from Kickstarter isn't always great for organizing. So being able to manipulate that data is important. So I don't know if Backer Kit or Pledgebox does those kind of things. 
Yes, they do that kind of thing. But yeah, uh, yeah I mean, and I know thousand plus campaigns that use that still use the Kickstarter surveys. So like, I don't think that you'd like, it's not like you have to be locked into yeah. one of these things. It's just for, for my own sanity. Like, <laughs> I don't want to do these things. Like, yeah, I'm same. willing to pay. To, <laughs> I'm willing. So I've always made more money than I've spent on on these services, but I would gladly pay 2% of the thing to not have to deal with all of the headache. And I've, I, I honestly, because of, of international shipping issues, I stopped yeah. do using international shipping with backer kit and I now use, um, pirate ship, um, simple export rate because it's like a third of the, uh, half the price. Right, right. Um, but like, I think you just need a process. Like that's what you're saying, right? Like you need to figure yeah. out a process and have be able to do the process. I know people who literally will just pull up each person's because what happens is you can the, the click on their um you can click on their uh uh, uh like like who like more info about this backer and then they literally just will look and they'll like do that and then they'll like check it off that they did it and they just do it literally one at a time i prefer to do things in batches yeah but um yeah i mean that i i think any like as long as you have a system that is redundant Right, like, like that, that that takes away human error as much as possible. Though you can never take away all of it, Uh, you need to have something that you're like, wait, did I pack this right? Did I read that right? Uh, Is are they going to get the thing that I'm going to have to reship? And you have to have multiple failure points to check all of those things because you don't want to send a bunch out and then have to reship it. And God, I just sent a bunch of books out yesterday and I feel like I'm tempting the gods to like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Reship yeah, yeah. me. Yeah. Um, so speaking of direct sales, uh, I know you do a lot of direct sales and that's also been kind of like a 2022 um, mm-hmm. effort for you is to um, keep build your, I think, I think you're at Shopify. You're in Shopify. Yeah. 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 We started with WooCommerce that, yeah. that slowed our website down so much, but yeah. Sure, sure. Yeah, I'm actually going to switch to, uh, well, we're, we're switching to Thrivecart, but I also do WooCommerce for a bit and it was, you know, it's good, but like, there's a lot of extra stuff you have to do. Even, you know, like you said, you have an engineering background, but it's still like, uh, like I don't want to deal with that. But, um, yeah, so, so my question <laughs> is, how are you balancing, um, like Kickstarter and direct sales and retailer sales. Like what, what is your personal approach to it? What's your system for it? Like, how do you decide, like, you know, what's going on Kickstarter? What's going here? What's going there? How do you decide, you know, your promotional calendar? You can't be promoting stuff at like 12 different places all the time. Right. Yeah, no, that's a great question. Actually, we just, uh, uh, had, or, you know, just talking with some other writers about that various thing. So, we're, you know, Kickstarter is going to be our kind of first launch. So I'm writing, I'm starting the new series of the season two of the hundred halls right now. And we'll probably launch that in May or June. Um, kind of like we did order Merlin. And so, you know, what we'll do is that will be the front load because it's a place that can get a lot of, uh, interest and traffic. And then after that, we'll, uh, we'll launch the direct sales. And then after that, we'll do the retailer. Um, and, and basically our idea is that, you know, we want to prioritize Kickstarter and then, and then direct sales. And for both of those, give it to them cheaper and with bonuses. 
And then the retailers will put it up normal there, but it'll be more expensive and they won't get like the extra stories, extra material, things like that. You know, so we want to, you know, we're trying to prioritize and move people away from Amazon and everything else, you know. And one of the reasons why, you know, kind of did that is 2021 was a disastrous year for me. Like a lot of people, you know, the the pay to play on Amazon really, really uh, uh, kicked our butt and we had to move from exclusive to wide and then you know, do all those things. But actually, I'm, I'm much happier this way. I think if you've got any entrepreneurial spirit, this is really the better way to go. Yeah, I mean, I'm completely, well, both of us are completely 100% with you, obviously. Yeah. Like, like we also like this this way of life as an author better. But um, yeah, no, I think that's a great system. I, I mean, I think it makes you know, we well obviously we think that yeah, um, that's our system. So like that's yeah, our, that's, yeah. Kind of, that's, that's kind of like what, what we're doing too. So, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I I do think like Kickstarter as a first income um, or first point of revenue is such a good system because it really lets you get a lot of like the copywriting and like like get yeah. a lot of the marketing kinks out because you can get a lot more kind of real-time information um, during right. your campaign. And then it's like when you launch on retailers that can really do better in many ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think also it's, it's such a different audience. Like so many of the just the Amazon, or especially like uh, the exclusive Amazon, they're bargain hunters. And so, you know, really what we're doing, you know, by doing this is following the, you know, the business cycle, which is start at that higher amount. And then later on, you discount down to the, to the lower amounts, but, you know, serve your, serve your whales, serve your, you know, your high, you know, high dollar people looking for the more interesting, unique product uh, first uh, uh, before you move on to those others. So it's definitely been a, you know, a change in everything, how we've done, uh, this last year. Awesome. awesome. I love it. Well, we are almost at the end of our time. So if you want to talk just for a second about like, give us a 20 second uh, final tip and then tell us where we can find you and then we'll say goodbye. Um, I'd say the biggest thing is just, ha- you know, uh, make it as high quality and, and front load that uh, uh, professionalism and, and have a lot of other people look at it. Um, you know, uh, the accelerator program's got a lot of great people looking at it. You know, you guys gave me some good advice on our first one. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing. So there's always those little things that sneak by. And also don't forget those higher tiers. If you have a way to offer those higher tiers, that's really the thing that drives the majority of your, uh, of your profit for both of them. It's been 60% of it came from those higher tiers. Um, and then, uh, you can find me at thomaskcarpenter.com. We have direct store there. Um, you know, I'm on all online retailers and, um, like I said, we're, we have paperbacks, we're moving into hardbacks and audiobooks, and, uh, that's it. I just want to say, I absolutely love your store. I know I've said this to you like a million times, but I love your storefront. I think it looks amazing. So um, definitely check it out if you're looking for a good direct sales store example as well, if you're um, listening to this. So thank you so much, Tom, for coming on and chatting with us. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for hanging out with Monica and Russell on the Kickstart Your Book Sales podcast. If you found this episode helpful, make sure to visit kickstartyourbooksales.com slash free to download our best resources to help supercharge your author career and take it to the next level starting today.